Turn with your Bibles to the sixth chapter of Ephesians as we continue our study in this rich and great book of the Bible, almost nearing the end, starting the last section of Ephesians this morning. We'll pick up with verse 10 and we'll be reading through verse 12 today. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Let's hear this reading of this part of God's holy and inspired word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. I pray your blessing upon our time together in it this morning, that you would richly bless it, that you would use it mightily in our hearts and in our lives. We know this is a special treasure. You've given to us your word, your living word. We pray that today it would be alive in us and to us, your Holy Spirit would take it and use it as the sword of the Spirit uh, to show us our need of Christ and help us to rely even more upon Him each day. And we ask it in His name. Amen. Someone once said the Christian life is not a playground, but is a battleground. Think about that for just a moment. The Christian life is not like children at play, but rather it is like soldiers at war. That shows us, actually, I think, one of the sharp distinctions that we find in many parts of the church today. You know, some present coming to Jesus as being released from your personal battles instead of being introduced to a whole new set of them. Coming to Jesus, they say, Or you come to Jesus, they say, because He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be set free from the cares and concerns and troubles and difficulties of this world. Come to Jesus and your problems will be over. That, my friends, is a false narrative. Because it's not the biblical narrative. You can search the Bible over and you won't find anything like that taught in God's Word. The reality is that coming to Jesus brings us into the battle, not giving us an escape from it. Just a few moments ago, we sang an old gospel hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers, Marching as to War. And that's the way the Bible presents the Christian life. It is a daily battle. It is a constant war. And if we don't realize that, then we are doomed to failure. You know, even Jesus was not exempt from that reality. Early on in his ministry, at the very beginning of it, Jesus was led out into the wilderness to be tempted there for 40 days by the evil one himself. During his earthly ministry, Jesus had to deal with demons and people who were possessed by demons. And then at the very end of his ministry, Jesus was attacked personally once again 
by his greatest enemy, by the evil one himself, who attacked Jesus in his flesh and tried to get him to be overcome by the horrors of the cross, to try to get him to relent and to turn from the task his father had sent him to accomplish. You know, Jesus said that a student is not above his master, or his teacher, and a servant is not above his master. And so if Jesus encountered those kinds of spiritual struggles, if Jesus had that kind of spiritual battle, then it follows that you and I must expect to experience and to encounter the same. So as a believer, you must realize that this battle is real, and that at times this battle is very intense. You see, Jesus wanted to make this clear, I think, to these believers in Ephesus before he ended this letter. And that's why he begins verse 10 with the word finally. Today we might say last but not least. It's as though this is perhaps the last thing he wanted to tell them. So it would be the first thing they remembered about this letter that he had written them. Now, as you know, I'm sure these verses at the end of Ephesians are the classic text on this whole matter of spiritual warfare. The reality of it, the significance of it, and how we are to deal with it. And so we're going to work our way methodically through this section, beginning this morning by looking at these first three verses in this section, verses 10 through 12, to begin to see what Paul has to say about this whole matter of spiritual warfare in the Christian life. Four things I want to draw from these three verses. And the first is that Paul describes here in verse 10 our greatest resource as we enter the battle. And that resource, that greatest resource that we have is the Lord's strength. Look at verse 10 where he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Now behind that verse lurks a real danger. And the danger is that we would go into this battle depending upon ourselves or trusting in our own ability, our own strength to fight uh, the battle on our own. Let me assure you, that is impossible. You cannot do it. And the Bible says, Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. To go into this battle unprepared, depending on your own strength to fight it, is a recipe for disaster. Now notice what Paul says here in verse 10. Finally, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Our greatest strength is what God provides for us, the power that He gives to us. Uh, You know, Paul learned that lesson himself, didn't he? I'm sure many times Paul learned it the hard way. In Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things. Now, that all things includes even this spiritual warfare. I can deal with this battle. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it, he said, but I can only do it through Christ who strengthens me. That's exactly what he says here in verse 10. That we must be strong in the Lord 
and in the strength of His might and the power that He gives to us. Now let me caution you, however, against the other extreme. It is true, as I've just said, that many people rely on their own strength. They try to go into the battle on their own, in their own power, in their own wisdom, in their own ability. And they doom themselves to failure. Others, however, believe that God fights all their battles for them, and so there's nothing left for them to do. Faith, they say, is summed up in the words, let go and let God. And so the idea is all you have to do is rest in the Lord, just trust in Him, just have faith, and He will fight all your battles for you. Now, there is certainly an element of truth in that. God does fight our battles for us. But he calls on us to be active in the battle also, not simply to be passive spectators of it. All the way through the Bible, especially in the New Testament, the Bible calls upon us to be active participants in the work of the Lord and in spiritual growth and sanctification, to put forth effort as we live the Christian life, The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. It says, run the race with endurance. Run in such a way that you may win. It says, walk as wise men, not as unwise. And Paul said of himself, I press on toward the high call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, that's our part of living the Christian life or participating in this spiritual battle. We run. We work it out. We work at it. We press on. We walk toward the goal. We strive. We endure. Yes, yes, our strength is in the Lord. But the biblical teaching is that He gives us strength in the battle. Strength to go through the battle. Not that He simply fights our battles for us. And what Paul is teaching us clearly here is that our strength is not in ourselves, but our strength is only in the Lord. And if you go into the spiritual battle without this greatest resource, without being prepared by being strong in the Lord and the strength that He provides, then spiritual defeat will be certain. You know, after all, that's exactly what what Jesus did. Uh, I made reference earlier to the 40 days Jesus spent in the the wilderness, being tempted by the evil one. Uh, We're not sure how many temptations he encountered. I believe there were many, multiple, every day. The Bible records three specific temptations that he received during that 40-day period. And it's interesting that in that great spiritual battle, Jesus faced at the very beginning of his earthly ministry, even even the Son of God did not rely on his own strength. Three times it's recorded for us that Jesus faced a significant temptation. And each time Jesus' response was, It is written. It is written. It is written. You see, Jesus relied upon the power and the strength of His Heavenly Father on the Word 
of God. And that's instructive, I think, for us. I think it defines in part what it means for us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. What that means is to rely upon His Word and the truth of it. To realize that it really is, as we'll see in a few weeks, our greatest weapon that we have to fight this spiritual battle. You see, the more you know Scripture and the more you use Scripture, the better able you'll be able to, to fight this spiritual battle. That's why David said, Thy word I have hid in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you, that I might win, be victorious in this spiritual battle we're called to fight. So always as you enter spiritual warfare, as you go through it, remember your greatest resource is the strength that the Lord provides for you. And then second, uh, Paul describes, I think, our greatest obligation going into the battle. We find that in verse 11, where he says this, Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Put on, he says, the full armor of God. Now, how can anyone say there's nothing for us to do in the battle if here it is true, Paul says, make sure you put on the full armor of God. You know, Paul's going to find that armor piece by piece in just a few verses. But here he gives us the general exhortation to make sure that we're properly prepared, that we have participated and done the first thing we should do, obligated to do, that's put on the necessary armor for the battle. Now notice, this is called the armor of God. It's God's armor. God prescribes it. God gives it. It's the armor he gives to us. Now, when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison in Rome. This is one of the four prison epistles that we have written by Paul. And it could be that as Paul was there in prison, and as he was under this constant guard of a Roman soldier, that, that as he saw that soldier standing there dressed in his military garb, that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to make the analogy between that soldier and the believer, knowing that a soldier would never go into a battle unprepared, would never go into a battle without having put on the proper attire or the proper armor, whatever was necessary required to have a chance to be successful in the battle. So Paul tells us here, Put on the full armor of God. Now, that word put on indicates something that is done once for all. That is, we're to put it on and we're not to take it off. It's become our permanent spiritual attire. And it is this armor, you see, that gives us the ability and the confidence to stand firm against the battle or in the battle that we face and against the enemy that we encounter. You know, a soldier who's ill-prepared or who doesn't have on the proper garb or the proper armor 
when the first real danger comes, what's that soldier going to do? He's going to retreat. He's going to run. And that's the way it is in the life of a Christian. If you're not adequately prepared, if you don't have the armor of God on yourself spiritually, then when the battle becomes intense, your first inclination is going to be able to be to run or to surrender or to give up or to give in. We will not have the courage to deal with the intensity of the battle we don't have this spiritual armor on that God gives to us. I want you to notice what we've seen here in verses 10 and 11. What we see here is the wonderful blend between divine strength and human effort. Or if we want to put it this way, between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. What did verse 10 say? You be strong in the Lord and in the strength of of his might. God is the one who gives you the strength to fight the battle. What does verse 11 say? Oh, by the way, make sure. Make sure that you put on the necessary armor. You see, we trust God, but we also prepare ourselves for battle. Part of being strong in the Lord, again, is putting on this spiritual armor. And only as you do that can you move forward with confidence and without fear. And there's a third thing here. And Paul describes our real enemy as we go into this battle. It's at the end of verse 11 that I read just a moment ago. We're to put on the full armor of God so we can stand against, he says, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil. Many people are skeptical about the reality of the devil, but the Bible is not skeptical of it at all. The Bible is clear that there is a figure, a character, known as the devil, sometimes described as the evil one. Most often in the Bible he's referred to as Satan, which means adversary, or as here... Uh, devil, which means one who slanders or one who lies. Now, there is some indication, some hints in the Bible about the origin of the devil. We're not exactly sure how it transpired. It appears there was some sort of rebellion or revolt in the heavenly host. And this was a fallen angel. Along with him fell others. Uh, and the, the devil ever since then has been at work against the things of God, doing whatever necessary contrary to God's will to try to thwart it and keep it from taking place. He has opposed not only God, but also his Christ and the work of the gospel. And not only is it the devil who is at work, but also it is those other fallen angels, the demons as we know them to assist him. And together with the demons, the devil has formed this evil, powerful, deceptive, and invisible enemy against our souls. Now notice in verse 11, what we deal with are the schemes of the devil. 
describes something of him, doesn't it? You know, uh, it words that carries the, the sense of deception or cunning. If you think of a schemer, you think of someone who doesn't play fair. Someone who's trying always to track you, trip you, trick you or to entrap you. Who's plotting and planning to cause something bad to happen to you. And that's what the devil is. The devil's a schemer. The devil doesn't play fair. First time we saw the deception of the evil one of the devil was in the Garden of Eden. When he came to to Eve in, in the form of a serpent. And when he told Eve what was basically a lie. Distorted, twisted God's word. And told her that if she just ate of that forbidden fruit, she really wouldn't die like God said. But rather she'd become like God, knowing good and evil. You see, the greatest ploys of the devil are to come at our pride, our desire for pleasure, and our need for power. The vast majority of Satan's attacks come in those three areas. The most dangerous work, however, of the evil one is that he blinds the eyes of unbelievers so they cannot see the truth of the gospel. If you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll read verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they may not see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, it's clear that God in His providence has given the devil a lot of power. Paul calls him here the God, small g, the God of this world. But the devil can only do what God allows him to do. The story of Job describes that for us very clearly. And when God decides... To open the minds and the hearts of an unbeliever by his sovereign power, enabling them to see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, there is nothing Satan can do to prevent it. Now, believing in a real devil and a thing known as Satan is an important part of engaging in this spiritual battle or in this spiritual warfare. There is, folks, an unseen, invisible battle that is raging all around us. The devil and his demons are constantly trying to undermine the gospel. Have you seen trying to blind the hearts and the eyes of unbelievers? trying to lure believers away from following Jesus to keep us from being zealous for the truth to cause us to stumble in our pursuit of holiness and obedience. 
And in order to have any hope of success in this spiritual battle, you've got to understand the reality of the enemy. And that leads us into the fourth thing. Where Paul describes in verse 12, I believe what we must understand the most as we go through the spiritual battle. And what you must understand, we find in verse 12, is this. That our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, it's real easy to see our battle as being against simply on the what I call the horizontal level. Simply seeing our battle against flesh and blood. Seeing our battle being against one another. But you'll never be successful in the battle if you don't realize there's something bigger, something greater taking place. You see, if I have a conflict with you, and you and I are at animosity with each other, it's not just between me and you is that the devil is doing his best to drive a wedge between our relationship. If you're at odds with your husband or your wife, and you're fighting with your spouse, your spouse is not your enemy. You have a mutual enemy who is trying to destroy your home and your family. If you're battling with a particular temptation, That temptation really is not your enemy. There's an enemy behind that temptation. The enemy of your soul who's trying to wage war against you and to bring you down. There is this great war taking place all around us. And Paul describes it again in verse 12 as rulers, powers, world forces of darkness and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. If that doesn't give you a little bit of concern about the reality of this spiritual battle taking place around us, I'm not sure what will. You know, we've talked a lot about and I even prayed about all the bad things that are taking place around our country and around the world. There are shootings, bombings, and acts of terrorism. There are renewed racial unrest that threatens to divide us. We are simply short-sighted if we only look at those specific horrific acts and fail to see that they really are a manifestation of a much greater battle taking place around us. One that takes place, actually, as Paul says, in the heavenly places. These spiritual forces are powerful and they're real and they are determined to destroy you. You know, we talk a lot about, hear a lot of news about ISIS. You know, it's determined to destroy what we know as Western culture. Well, their determination is nothing compared to the determination of these world powers, these spiritual forces of darkness that are determined to do their best 
to destroy your soul. You see, there is this invisible, spiritual battle that is taking place all around us. And so the, the greatest danger is not the world we see. The greatest danger is the world that we don't see. And the forces of evil we see taking place in whatever form it is, in our country or in other countries around the world, whatever form those evil forces take, they're merely pawns, the spiritual forces in the heavy places at war against God. So what does that mean? That means that political corruption, and we got a little bit of that, don't we? Political, political corruption, acts of violence, destruction of the home, the murder of the unborn, increase in terrorism, decline of moral values, apostasy of the church, theological heresy, the perversion of the family structure that we see taking place all around us today. They're all the work of these rulers, these powers, these world forces, these spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's why when we pray, we ought not just pray kind of on the, 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 the horizontal level. Our prayers are on the, on the vertical level, aren't they? And we implore God. We implore it. We beg Him to do a mighty work. To, to be our strength. To, to fight against the enemy for us. To enable us to be strong and to stand firm against the schemes of the devil and to be aware of these spiritual forces that are at work among us. But our hope in this is that victory is guaranteed. Folks, the gospel is not without hope. We live in a dark day. I'll be honest about it. We live in a dark day. Darkness looms, I think, in the future for the believer, for the Christian, for the one who wants to live a life pleasing to the Lord and honoring to Him. There are dark clouds right on top of us and even darker clouds looming out beyond us. But the gospel always gives us hope. And the reality is this, that Satan is a defeated foe. Christ has defeated him. And yet in God's providence, he continues to allow the evil one to continue to do a work seeking to undermine, draw away. It's all a part of, I think, separating the wheat from the chaff. And Satan will continue until finally he's cast into the lake of fire. Folks, God will win this battle. And if you're on God's side, you're on the winning side. 
But even though the victory is secure, it's clear in the text, we have to fight. We're called on to fight. We're soldiers in the Lord's army. And we're to take up His armor. And in His strength and the power He provides us, we're to fight the good fight of faith. In a group this large, I'm sure there are some here who are feeling the intensity of the battle today. Maybe in your home. Maybe in your workplace. Maybe with your children, grown children, grandchildren. Maybe in the depth of your own soul. The battle may be real. You feel like it's just raging against you and you're not sure you can stand. You can't on your own. That's why Paul tells us, be strong in the Lord and the strength He provides. Put on the full armor of God. You might be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And remember that our struggle isn't against one another. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against all these spiritual forces of evil. Come at us and try to destroy us. We're going to close in just a second by singing a hymn that has these words. Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on. Stand in the strength that Christ provides through His eternal Son. Let's stand together and sing. As you're standing, I'll pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your great grace that sustains us every day. And I pray that you would encourage our hearts today by your word to know that you are our strength. And I pray that we would all be strong in you. Having put on the full armor you provide for us, that we might be able to stand firm. Help us do it in Christ's name. Amen.